Welcome everyone to the B2B Marketing Perspectives Podcast. I'm Steve McDonald, your host. And today we have on Karen Scott, and we're going to talk about a subject that seems like we've talked about forever, but one that is as relevant as ever today for B2B CMOs to be understanding and incorporating into their marketing and how they're thinking about creating success in their companies. We're talking about storytelling. And what's interesting about carrying your background, you started out as a journalist, you made a switch over into marketing and uh, tons of tech marketing over the last 30 years. You've kind of done every job there is to do there, moved all the way up to the CMO. So you've got a really interesting perspective. You've worked with companies like Cisco and uh, Salesforce and startups and cybersecurity companies. And so you've got a really good breadth here of experience and knowledge. We want to learn about that and what your your thought is and the importance of what storytelling means today for CMOs. So maybe expand a little bit on your background and in in storytelling and why you thought this was a really good subject matter to bring onto the podcast. Yeah, no, thank you so much. And thanks for inviting me to to join your fabulous program here. I've listened to many episodes and it's it's really an honor to be able to uh, share some of my perspectives and maybe it'll be useful to uh, some of my peers, like some of the other content's been very useful that I've heard from other peers on the show. So thank you for that. You know, maybe maybe because my roots have been in journalism, maybe because my superpower happens to be in communication and persuasion, everybody has their superpowers in life. I have always felt that the job number one of a CMO really is to be a great storyteller for a couple of reasons. You know, first and foremost, it puts the customer in the center and at the forefront of everything you're trying to say, number one. Number two is, and we'll talk a little bit about this later on, you know, there's hardcore data and science around memorability of stories versus facts, data, and other things. And when you're trying to be relevant and create an emotional connection to a prospect or a customer, to your brand or service or offering or whatever it is that you're doing, you know, let's face it, it's very noisy out there today. Since the advent of social media and iPhones and all this other stuff, 24-7, everybody's being bombarded. How are you going to rise above the din? And I have found, both in my personal life as well as professionally, if you can have a story that's memorable and impactful and relatable, people will resonate with that. You know, one of the things that you said in there, all very important, and I want to hear a little bit more about that study, is that... We're B2B buyers, we're consumers, we're real people, right? And the amount of content that's being created for us yeah. is intense, right? Okay. It didn't used to be that we had a significant portion of our marketing team in content, right? But everybody produces content now. And unfortunately, not a lot of that content is high value. And that's not Steve's opinion. That's that's studies that have come out, thought leadership content, and you know, the B2B buyers think 70% of it doesn't add any value. So you're living in this world of massive competition, you know, mediocrity in the in the content that's being told there. And B2B buyers or B2B companies love to talk about their babies, right? The products, the features, the benefits, and Nobody's going to take away from a conference or a blog post or a podcast or something, a list of features, sure. but they are going to take away a story that is meaningful to them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of one of your biggest points here. Mm -hmm. And so I'd love to... Let's start out that the study it was a Harvard Business School study, was it? That, that well, there were two about? different studies. There, one is a neuroscientist, you know, named Paul Zak, who actually did a great body of work 
on the neuroscience of the narrative. And he does, and it's all on YouTube. People can go look at his snippets and buy his book and whatever else. But it was a really interesting study because he basically makes the case for how our brains are wired to remember and process stories far more so than anything else, right? Because really interesting, the brain, when it encounters a good story, releases oxytocin. And if anybody knows anything about oxytocin, you can look that up too. That's a feel-good hormone. That's released when women are nursing babies. That is released when you finish running a marathon. That's a that's a feel-good hormone that gets released that triggers empathy. And if you can trigger empathy in the ears or eyes or of the person consuming your content and create that connection, that makes the bond and it tends to spur action. And I thought that it was a really interesting body of work because at the end of the day, that's what good storytelling is all about, right? You have a strong plot that can emotionally connect with your prospective buyer or prospective or customer that you're trying to cross sell or wherever it happens to be. So pretty interesting. Yeah. And you know, there's another study that came out, I think about a year and a half ago that literally proved that 56% of the buying decisions yeah. based on emotion yeah I'm so surprised. if you're talking about if they're based on emotion how do you elicit the right emotional cues right yep. and b2b buying is full of risk right 100%. way more than i bought the wrong pair of you know shoes for that event right this is your job this is your career on the line in a lot of yep. in a lot of ways we so, should take a lesson i was just going to say you made me think of something we should take a lesson for all of these social media influencers who are millionaires now Right. Why? Exactly what you just said, because it's a credible person with a problem you probably have or something you want to learn about who's actually sharing their own story. And you make that connection and you say if he can do it or she can do it or she did this or whatever it is. You know, how many times have we made that impulse buy? I've done it myself. You see something and you go running. You say, oh, I got I have to have one of those. And 50 people said thumbs up. That, that's a powerful lesson that we need to translate, I think, as marketers into B2B marketing. How do you get that kind of response from the person consuming your content, getting to the place where they want to go, yes, I want that free trial. Yes, I want the meeting or whatever it is that you're offering. Yeah, and, and influencers are masters of storytelling. There's masters of storytellers. So I think what we've done here is we've checked the box on why are we talking about storytelling today, right? What is yeah. its importance? And one of the things that I wanted to talk about a little bit, you you talk in, in, in the conversations that we've had before leading up to this, you've talked about the voice of the customer mm -hmm. in, in the story. Tell me what, what that means and why that's an important element of the story. Yeah, it's a great question. And it's a, a lesson I learned when I was working at Salesforce and learned from the master himself, Mark Benioff, who was one of the best storytellers I've ever encountered. You know, he had a, a, a way of saying, your best salesperson should be your customer, right? And if you mm -hmm. think about how one of the ways that Salesforce became Salesforce, right, was by focusing on cultivating their community and focusing on nurturing and incentivizing their users to evangelize other users. That was one of the most brilliant marketing strategies ever. And if you peel back the onion and look what goes on there, if you're in a Salesforce community, it's not just Salesforce, a lot of companies have replicated it. If somebody poses a question, you got 35 people who are in your shoes solving your same problem, throwing cut and paste ideas at you, right? That is the bet that is a better endorsement than Susie sales rep getting on a call, walking through a PowerPoint, showing you a demo. I'm hearing it from other people who have the exact same problem I have. So getting those customers and boy, let me tell you, 
Most of them are very excited to have the moment in the limelight to share their story, to get their name out there. Some don't, but many of them do. Um, to share what would, to your point about benefits and features, what did using this thing, solution, product do to my business? How did I save money, do things faster, whatever the value prop is of what you're trying to sell? That is far more credible because to your earlier point, it's relatable, it's emotional, and you can see yourself in that person's shoes. So the extent that you can make that connection, right, and say that I have that problem, that is my issue. And these 15 people just solved it. I kind of want to go look at that. Yeah, you know what that does? That, that, that goes into another area that we were going to talk about, which is if you're bringing in the voice of the customer and you're doing it in a way that validates the POV that you have as a company, exactly. right? Because unfortunately, as, as a company, we are sellers, right? So our content does come from a position of they're selling. But if you're saying something that's important, that others in the peer group or thought leaders, right, you know, or customers of you are saying that validates what you're saying in their words, yep, that's golden. Right. It, it's the nirvana state. And, and a lot of the messaging work that I do with companies or now with clients that I work with, and, and you and I talked about this before, every single company I've ever worked with has suffered from the same thing, which is me, 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 me out. And it's important to understand what a company wants to say and what the CEOs and founders and C-suite and other people want to say about the product, the service, the thing. That's critical. But it's not super relevant because we're not the buyers right? The, the CEO is not going to buy the, the, so the, the beauty comes in going out to that customer base in going out to that prospect base. I've learned so much from, from customers I've lost telling me yes. information that helps me hone my messaging. And you can actually get those people to talk um, as I have from anything else and marrying the two together. That's to your point where the Nirvana exists, because the message has to be a blend of what we want to say about why we're unique and different and the better thing or whatever it happens to be, but it has to resonate with what the people looking to buy your product want to hear, right? And so many companies miss that mark and they say, me, my thing, everything's wonderful. And they wonder why they're not converting people from top of funnel further down. You're not hitting that pain point. You're not addressing that ICP. In, in you talked about leading up to this call the, the importance of authenticity and less BS, right? Yeah. And you can't get more authenticity than your customers, the peers of that talking with their point of view that aligns with your point of view, right? Yeah. That's that's what we're doing right now, right? This is a this is a conversation. This is a discussion. This isn't a one way communication from a company. This Correct. isn't their white paper. This isn't their blog post. Their one sheeter, right? This is a conversation. That dialogue mm -hmm. with people that they trust yep. means something in yep. their language, right? So I, yeah, yeah, 100%. What I was going to say is another mistake I see so many technology companies make, probably other companies too, but my experience is in the tech sector, is webinars. A lot of people love webinars. A lot of personas listen to webinars, whether it's on demand or live or whatever else. I can't tell you how many companies sit there and all the guests are from the company. Yeah. How is that even interesting? I mean, it might be interesting if you're if it's a techie deep session and you want to hear from the engineers. But by and large, my guidance has always been have the person from the company be the moderator and have everybody else not be in the company, have them be customers, have them be prospects, have them be those real world examples where, again, they can tell the story. And to your point about connecting and being relatable, their pain was solved. 
because of you. So you don't have to do the hard sell. All you have to do is be the moderator, right? And those are far, to me, when I go and look at the, you know, podcasts and, and, and VODs and webinars, I rarely attend when it's all the same people from the same company. Cause of course you're going to say great stuff about your stuff, right. right? It's like, you know, sending Johnny to, to kindergarten the first day, he's the smartest kid in the classroom until the report card comes home. Right. I mean, you have to, to balance the inside out with the outside in and really bring forth that position and real world examples of the customers that are using the stuff. Cause then your prospects go, wait, he got results. She got results. They got results. Maybe I'll get some too. Right. Absolutely. And you know, there's, there's a really unique point of view. I talked with CMO uh, a couple of months ago and she said on our webinars, she does exactly what you're talking about there, right? right? It's outsiders of the organization. And she said, and guess what? She says, they're not always sharing our point of view, mm-hmm. right? There is different points of view that are being brought together. She says, but, right. you know, obviously if we believe in our point of view and it is validated by others, it's strong enough that it's going to influence and carry, but the authenticity that comes with that a hundred, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. In fact, some of the best case studies that I've done for companies is where, yes, they talk about all the great stuff, but then they give you the humble feedback, right? And say, I wish it did this, or maybe in your next iteration, you could do why, or hmm, that other product actually does this. You're not doing that because to your point, it makes it authentic. It makes it genuine. And it makes it feel like you didn't pay the person to go say what they're saying. So I think now we've gone from kind of like the science behind why do we want to do storytelling to, you know, how do we add credibility and trust and authenticity to the voice of the company? Do you have some examples of, you know, like take these concepts and now like kind of bring them to life for us a little bit in terms of storytelling and how it's worked, you know, throughout your career? Sure. I'll give you, I got a couple of examples. Um, the first one, and this isn't one we actually talked about. It's, it's it's a different one that came to mind is when I was working as the CMO over at Flexport, which is a, a technology logistics and shipping company. And we were launching a product called Ocean Match, right? And what that product does is it, it a lot of times when people are shipping cargo on a container and it's not enough cargo to fill up the whole container, you're wasting money because you're shipping a container across the ocean with dead space in there. Right. And so what this ocean match did, think of it as like a brokerage firm, right? They 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 stack together like packages, right? So you wouldn't put, you know, tomatoes with sneakers. So like packages, and they resell the empty cargo space to people who would be rolled off, right? That's the term when you don't have quite enough to start put in a container, you don't have the budget for a big huge container. You know, so they mat they match it together, which is nirvana for everybody. The person who bought the container get some money back. And the person who was going to sit on the sidelines in Taiwan somewhere, you know, gets across the ocean faster. And the story I was trying to tell about that still sticks in my mind today had to do with a company that was trying to ship teddy bears for Christmas across the ocean to be in United States stores and whatever else. And the first container somehow rolled off the boat. That happens every now and then, but the container rolls off the boat. So they were really quickly trying to restock to make their deadlines you know, for shipping. So first of all, images of like teddy bears floating in the ocean come to mind and (laughs) opening the Christmas present or the Hanukkah present or whatever else. And oh gosh, I really wanted the such and such bear. It's not there. So right away, you're emotionally connecting, at least to anybody who's a parent or a grandparent, aunt, uncle, or has been a kid, you know, celebrating a holiday season. So that was sort of one way uh, it connected, you know, and the second way that it connected is it brought clear the value of the thing we were trying to sell. 
here's a bunch of teddy bears that have to make it in time to be sold for the Christmas selling season, right? And uh, they're sitting on a dock somewhere. So this service actually, you know, you can see your own kid getting excited, opening up the package of the thing they actually wanted. So that was one example. And I was actually telling that story at a, at a user conference and you could read the room and see everybody sort of understanding what we were trying to go do, right? So that was one, one powerful example I wanted to share. You know, uh, what you just said there brought to mind, I literally had a conversation this morning that relates to this. And this gentleman was talking about, and he's done business with enterprise customers down. And he was talking about a company that that uh, literally just creates the sheetrock, right? That goes up in buildings and homes and everything like that. And there's a big problem of dust and different things that when you're actually applying that. And they just started telling the story about how their dust was heavier. Mm-hmm. And it falls down and you don't breathe as much in, right? And he said, all of a sudden, everybody was talking about they wanted the sheetrock with the heavier dust. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. They just took, a, you know, something very simple and told a very visual story about that and all of a yep. sudden created amazing competitive differentiation and all kinds of things. So I think what you're like the teddy bears floating in the ocean and all kinds of things we can take very very b2b mm-hmm. you know messaging yep bring some b2c into it bring some yep. voice of the customer in you know where it sticks because we're going to remember those stories yep think you about are- I was just going to say, adding on to what you said there, you know, B2B is really B2B to C because at the end of the day, they're individual humans who have the need for the thing that you're trying to sell, the solution, the box, the thing. Um, and so you can't you can't short circuit that. Right. You have to have messages that will resonate back to your comment about the ICPs, the actual target personas that you're wanting to write the check to your company at some point has to have some sort of emotional or entertaining or memorable connection to what you're talking about. So that person can champion internally your thing to their boss or the person that's going to sign the check or why we need this instead of that, or why we got to replace this thing for the other thing. Cause they're now empowered because again, you know, I, I attended a, a, a Stanford women's workshop years ago and a, a staggering data point that I heard is stories are 22 times more memorable than facts and data. So just imagine that 22 more times. So if you get the ICP remembering your story when that person's in the boardroom or in the meeting or lobbying for budget or explaining why they got to rip and replace some other thing for your thing or whatever else, if they can remember and articulate that story, it's like the gift that keeps on giving because then those people they're trying to evangelize have that connection as well, right? 22 times more, that's that's a pretty powerful number. And you know what that means, what what that just brought up, two things. One was in B2B, we're, we're selling into not an individual, we're selling into a buyer's group, mm-hmm. right? And as we make it easier and easier for the person that is originally engaging with us to remember our stories and something that's very easy then for them to relate to the rest of the group, right? 22 yep. times more, that's, a, that's an amazing stat. It's a pretty um, amazing stat. And then also, we were going to talk on this podcast here about leveraging the voice of customers and prospects. But what that story told me was, if you give a framework for your own customers and your own prospects to be thinking and talking, like in a very simple way, right? You know, like, hey, you know, 
we're going to we're going to have less teddy bears floating in the ocean right if you go with our services like you make it simple like stories simplify things yeah they they, list of feature benefits we're never going to remember that no they won't And, and to your point about buying centers and buying committees and that sort of thing nine times out of ten most CFOs or finance directors, God bless them, I've worked with some amazing ones, you know, their expertise is not meant to be in the technology arena necessarily, right? They have a different job to do for the business. So if you were to walk into that committee, those people, whatever, and talk techie to them, it will sort of gloss over because they're still thinking, I already made an investment in this other thing. Why do we need this? You have to have a story that those people can understand as to why this is going to impact the business. Right. And using the voice of the customer, talking about other companies and businesses that have been successful because they've done this thing and the, you know, time to recouping the money, whatever case study you want to show them, they'll get it versus walking in and talking at a very technical level. So those stories are really important because if you can you if you can get a story understood by the person consuming the content, then they can go be the champion and reiterate that story. Right. And they don't need the cheat sheet or the data sheet or, you know, any of that kind of stuff because they've got it emotionally. And does that story, is it it run through the content that you're creating? You know, like we think like in the B2C world, right? You know, where like progressive and you know, insurance and we know flow, right? You know, we yeah, we 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 know her as an individual that runs throughout, but like is there ability for a story? to run throughout all the different levels of content and things that need to be created in an organization. Yeah, I mean, it should actually, right? So so P1 in a lot of the work that I do, I just finished this project up actually for, for Huntress and cybersecurity, is coming up with what your brand story really is, right? What is that story you want to tell about the business, about the solutions, about your differentiation, about whatever those things are? And again, it's a process of inside out and outside in, and you you boil down to, to that story. And that has to be championed throughout everything that you do. A, because it solidifies the brand, right? You know, and B, it strengthens everything else. If everything else can layer back up to that, to Coke is it, or whatever your key message happens to be, then the power of the multiplier kicks in. Right. And you hear Coke is it again and again and again, and you start to believe it at the end of the day. One of the things I see a lot in technology companies, too, is there's so many messages. I just talked with a prospective client the other day and I read the website and I spent a lot of time on the website, which if I was not vested in the conversation, I would have bounced after 12 seconds. I even said to the, the CEO, I said, I really don't know what you do. I did because I had invested the time to understand it. But a prospect, again, being bombarded with so much information and so many options, probably not going to spend 30 minutes really trying to say, what the heck is this company trying to say? You have to get that story and it has to be right there in every medium again and again and again. Yeah. That, that, that repetition is so important. So important. So if you could, um, you know, a lot of the storytelling we're talking about is delivered through content. I mean, if, if I were to ask you, I said, you know, I'm going to have you put a, a line in the sand in terms of the overall success, the growth and success of a B2B company, how important is content to that? One, it's not important at all. 10, it's vital to the overall growth and success of the company. Where where would you put that on that scale and why? 15. 15, it's, okay. It's truly that important because, you know, at the end of, and let me, let me qualify that for, for a minute there. 
there are two pieces that are super important in the content. One is what we talked about in getting that story down, right? Critical. The other piece of it and why I boosted it to, to like a 15 really is understanding where in the customer journey, in the buyer's journey of that particular ICP, and many companies have multiple ICPs, right? Because you're selling to different buying centers, you're selling to different verticals or whatnot. But where in that particular journey does the right content fall, right? Is it a video at the third touch? Is it an infographic at the seventh touch? Is it an ROI calculator at the eighth touch? What, what are those touches? In what sequence? And that's why, you know, what I say to most companies that I advise, even the small scrappy startups, the best money you can spend after getting your messaging done, of course, you know, is on content, serving it at the right place at the right time, because the best case study, the best infographic, the best whatever, at a moment in time where nobody's interested in that or, or data research, we have research at our fingertips with Google and whatever else is telling us that's not the point they need that is wasted time, energy, and money. So it's so, so important to build up that content strategy, right? To bring your content to the eyes of the consumer um, of that content at the right moment in time. Yeah, because content's the way they make their decisions, right? You know, A hundred percent. Buyers, before they want to talk to us, they're 70% of the way through their decision-making process. Hundred percent, they are. They and 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 you know what you want. And again, a lot of companies make this mistake. They're all looking for that top of funnel, raise my hand, first touch, whatever. That is not really that relevant because the number of people that convert down, as we all know, is minimal. Give content away for free. When I say free, to gate or not to gate, you know that's really an important question. You cannot gate everything. Assert, certainly, when you're going after suspects or prospects, you have to give a bunch of stuff away. Let people self-educate to your point. I've heard that stat of 70% from Gartner, Forrester, a right. million right. different sources. It's a real thing. If you give that content free, allow people to get educated, allow people to find the information they need without having to fill forms out. I would much rather deliver to my sales organization a well-educated prospect who proactively wants to have a meeting and a demo than 15 people who just downloaded some white paper and probably all 15 are nowhere near the point where they're ready to talk to Susie sales rep. That's why there's the death of the MQL, right? 110%. I couldn't agree more, right? That's not super relevant, right? So we've talked about a lot here. Yeah. If there was a takeaway for the audience around the importance of storytelling today, what would you have us remember? Yeah, I mean, specific to the the context of this discussion and your, your podcast on uh, B2B marketing is let your customers sell for you. They are the most credible. They are the most memorable. To your point of authenticity, they are the most authentic. They're the most genuine. They're the ones that are passionate. You've already solved their problem. So let that, you know, when you think about the life cycle, advocacy is the nirvana state, having people advocate on your behalf. So that's why I think uh, storytelling is, is just so critical. Get customers out there telling the story for you, you know, bring up the good, the bad, and the ugly as well and sit back and let the customers do the evangelizing for them, have them be on the webinars, have them be on the podcast, have them be in the case studies, you know, bring them into focus groups, listen to them because they're the ones that are really going to sell for you. And that selling isn't always just to put a kind of an exclamation point on the end of this. You're not saying sell your product, right? Right. You know, you're, what you're selling is 
and their their voice is corroborating what is the problem you're helping they're defining the problem they're defining the potential solutions they're defining what's happening and changes in the industry right yep. that's what you're talking about it's yep. not they're going to come in and they're going to sell your product, right? No, no. They're going to help sell. You're going to share their expertise with your expertise and your point of view yep. in helping basically your ICPs do their job better. A hundred percent. And and a couple of examples that, that always, you know, stick with me of companies have done this exceptionally well. Think of Airbnb. Mm-hmm. Who knew we needed or had options other than a hotel room when we went on vacation? Right. They were brilliant at going to market, defining a problem we didn't even realize we had, and then serving up a solution. Right. I mean, the same thing can be said about Rent the Runway. Who knew you could wear gorgeous designer gowns for pennies on the dollar and then send it all back and not have to worry about the environment and all this other kind of stuff? So, coming up with the people who have solved the problem for you and then seeing examples of, of how that's played out for other customers is is almost always you know the great solution and you're right i use the word selling in a, in a much broader sense no no customer's going to walk up with a purchase order or any of that <laughs> well karen thank you very much for coming on and sharing all of this and if if people had follow-on questions and want to get a hold of you would uh, a link to your linkedin profile would be the best way to do that absolutely feel free that would be great i love connecting with my peers and colleagues out there and thank you again steve for the honor of uh you know being on the podcast today